Tell me your story. Tell me your story. How did it all start? Do you remember? Oh, I know what happened. How did it stop? You're now tuned into the Small Business Origins Podcast. I love an origin story. Each week, we dive into the real stories of entrepreneurs and businesses from across the nation. Who is he and what's his origin story? Who started with just an idea and are now making waves. I told you this was a good idea. This is Small Business Origins. Yeah, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Small Business Origins. You're joining me on our nationwide search. We're looking for entrepreneurs that have a story to tell and joining us virtually in the studio right now, but from all over the U.S. as they are digital nomads. We have Elise Saunders. She is with Tales from an Untamed Soul. Elise, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Man, it is uh, the excitement is mine because I'm excited to figure out what it is y'all are doing, where y'all are going. I love traveling. It is something that I think will probably resonate with your personal story of not doing enough of it right now. Um, you know, so I think y'all kind of found out that you weren't doing as much traveling as you wanted to. And that's what launched you into this. I can't wait to hear about all that stuff. So maybe I can follow your footsteps. But for now, we have to start with our icebreaker question as we do okay. every single episode. And today's, I hope you have a good story for, because it's kind of appropriate for the topic at hand. And that is, what is the most lost you have ever gotten? <sighs> That's a really good question. <laughs> um, the most lost that I have ever been is probably, you know, your your question might be referring to something physical, tangible. Of course, I can remember a time on a trail that, you know, I got totally turned around. It was Texas in summer. I was out of water, uh, you know, and I was a little bit nervous because I just kept walking in the same circle. But probably the real answer to your question is more internal, which, you know, I feel like I was really connected with who I was when I was younger. And I feel like I just really got lost off that path and got consumed with the house, the car, the raising of the kid, you know, going to work and, you know, that whole adult life experience that at some point was so consuming that I lost what the meaning of life, I think, is, you know, the happiness, the joy, the experience, the being present in my life, all of those things. So I would say that that is honestly probably the most loss that I've ever been and have been working since to find my way back to the path of who I am and, and what I want to accomplish in this life. Well, that is a lot more deep and spiritual than my answer is, because uh, the story I think that my whole team has been waiting on me to tell. I actually went for my first time in my adult life kayaking. You know, I've been on a kayak before and done some little runs like at the beach or something where you just kind of go out and then turn around and come back. But my first true kayaking adventure as an adult, I hopped on this kayak. I lost it completely the second that we launched out of the little boat ramp and then got back on it started getting the hang of it, felt pretty confident and everything. And then uh, we hit this little rough patch where the water was kind of low and there were rocks and stuff that were sticking up and it just tipped me over, you know, nothing crazy. Oh. It was, it, it just tipped me out of the boat. And then 
all of my stuff, of course, went over with it. And though I had a bunch of things secured, one thing that wasn't was my phone. So we're searching and searching for probably 15, 20 minutes, just kind of taking a break, looking for this phone. I can't find it anywhere. I'm doing find my iPhone. I'm calling my wife who's, you know, looking for it, like pinging it, making noise, all this stuff. We can't find it. So we give up. I'm in a bad mood um, because of it, you know, so I just paddle ahead a little bit so I don't kill the mood with the guys that we were kayaking with. And um, pretty soon that going ahead a little bit turned into, holy crap, I can't see them anymore. You know, so I start turning around at every curve and I'm like, all right, they've got to be coming right up over the bend. Like I know they're here. And then at some point you just kind of get to that point where you're like, I've turned at so many places and waited for so long and I'm not seeing them. I know that I can get to our destination at least wait on them and we'll be good to go. Well, the problem is I had never kayaked in this area before. So I did not know what I was looking for for my exit marker. And there wasn't a sign that said, Hey, here's the park that you're looking for. So I went right past the park. And apparently in this trip, I learned how to be an Olympic kayaker. And I was just, you know, like Dory just keeps swimming. I just kept going, Um, turned a four hour trip into, I think it was six or seven hours that I was kayaking straight. And uh, when I passed one of our major highways here in Texas, 59, I was like, you know what? That seems like I may be going too far. And then what's crazy is the section we're kayaking in, you don't know it. Like you feel like you're just totally remote out in this, you know, area inside this little creek or river. And uh, there's, you know, 10 to 15 foot embankments on each side of you. But what you don't know is you're actually right in the middle of the city. So all you have to do is at some point just hop out and you're good to go. So I get past 59 and I see this, this, uh, woman and a child that are fishing right off. And I'm like, Hey, you know what? Let me, let me reach out to them and just see what time it is. See if I'm making about the timeline that we were expecting for today. And she said it was like six or six 30 PM. And it just, I don't know if you've ever heard that audio on TikTok where it's like, Oh, I effed up. Like, Oh, this is bad. Like I had that moment where I was like, this is not right. I am, I'm supposed to be out of the water by now. So I was like, Hey, you know, I realized that obviously this isn't a comfortable situation for you, but I'm lost. Told her the story. This is what's going on. Do you mind if I use your cell phone? And she was like, absolutely no problem at all. So I get the cell phone and I call my wife and my wife was livid as you can expect because she has already gotten phone calls you know i've been kayaking for two hours after we're supposed to be out of the water so my friends are at the exit point they've searched the park they've looked for me they can't find me and he got to this point where it was like okay i have to call somebody you know i can't just like he could be floating in this creek he could be you know whatever so anywhere she's flipped out well, when I get a hold of her, she starts flipping out on me and I'm like, wait a second, I'm the lost one here. I'm the victim. Like, I'm just trying to get out of this water so I can get home. We are hours past when I'm supposed to already be home by now, you know? So um, she said, well, the bad news for you is, is that there is a Department of Public Safety helicopter flying the river looking for you right now. And I swear the timing couldn't have been more perfect. I start hearing the helicopter blades above me and I look and he kind of gets close to me and then turns around and goes back off. And I was like, well, call my buddy Andrew back and let him know that they have not found me yet. They were almost to me and, uh, you know, they got in the wrong place. So long story short, they get in touch with Andrew and he figures out, holy crap, he's alive. He's not dead. This is amazing. (laughs) Um, Harris County precinct four constable comes to pick me up. 
and loads my kayak in the back of his SUV, throws me in the front, takes me to meet up with my crew. And on the way there, I learned that they had Houston Police Department jet skis at um, Lake Houston ready to come down the little uh, creek and, you know, search up that way. They had a helicopter flying. They had people looking for me. It was a whole rescue effort all because I was just a little, and I'm telling you, I was just a little ways ahead. They could see me like everything was fine. And then it turned into this full blown search and rescue. Wow. That's the most lost I've ever been in my life. Did you get a huge bill? And what's weird is, no, there's no bill. It's all taxpayer funded, you know? Um, So they were happy to find me alive. Apparently in this place, it is not uncommon for kayakers to die. So um, they were like, you know, we were, we were nervous. We were, we were worried for a while. Um, But, you know, I was just sitting there stone cold, sober and (laughs) lost as could be. Oh my gosh. Well, I know I'm so that's a glad long story, that had a happy figured, ending though. <laughs> it did. Yeah. It's just weird for me because I'm the firefighter. So I'm used to being on the other side of the search and rescue mission. I'm not the one that they're right. usually looking for. And of yeah. course my station mates had a great time with it. There may or may not be uh, milk cartons <laughs> printed and posted with all of my stats and data on it posted all around my fire station. And this happened, you know, I mean, at this point, probably a year ago and I'm wow. still finding these posters everywhere so oh my gosh yeah they're having great fun still (laughs) absolutely but i know we went off on a tangent on me there we are actually here to talk about you so just tell me about you know your personal life let's hop into that origin story and just find out where you were and how you got to where you're at now yeah so i was in corporate america you know making six figures and really not satisfied, not experiencing joy in my life, really unsatisfied with how things were going. I just thought, you know, once you get the house, once you make six figures, you know, like the world just opens up and it's like this moment, right? Where everything is happy and wonderful and perfect. And just trying to figure out what, what did I do wrong? that, you know, I don't feel that way. In fact, I feel quite the opposite. I'm feeling dejected and unfulfilled, unsatisfied with my life. And eventually came to the conclusion that what was best for me was to open my own business, use my skills and my talents to serve myself. And really that fulfillment came I didn't feel like I was really making an impact in the world. And I really felt like I needed that, right? I felt like there was more purpose to my life. And so opened my own business, helping other business owners to achieve the business results that they were looking for. And even with a successful bookkeeping business at that point, I was like, um, I feel like there's still more, right? I'm, I'm working every day. I'm loving the fact that I have control over my own schedule. I can live to my own moral code. But is there more? Is there something else to life? You know, am I really living fully? I didn't really feel like I was. So it really just spurred that question, that yearning of, I feel like I'm still missing fire. I'm happier, but I want to live on fire. So 
when you come to this realization and you figure out what it is that's going to fulfill you, just walk me through exactly, Mm -hmm. you know, the steps you took for that. And like maybe some of the things that went wrong, some of the things that went right and got you to this point. Sure. So it was really this process of getting in touch with my heart's desire of what was going to truly bring me happiness. And so that's when, you know, I pull my husband into this process and we started to go and play in this imaginative play space of if we took all of the limitations off the table and we just imagined ourselves in anywhere that we could possibly imagine doing anything that we could possibly imagine what would bring us the most joy where would we tap into that joy excitement fully living right and so as we just continued to think about where we could do go where what we could do what we could experience It all just continued to come back that we were always going somewhere. We were always traveling in that imaginative space. We were always thinking about what our experience would be on a beach in Greece or a tour in Italy or, you know, seeing some animals in Costa Rica. And so it was really that process of being limitless Because typically when we're looking for that next step or that next change, we come with a baggage of expectations, of limits, of tactile steps, of excuses and reasons why that wouldn't work. But being that we took that off the table and we were just living in this vast, limitless space, it really opened up so many more possibilities, right? We had more open doors than we had closed doors, in which case we were really able to get in touch with what was going to bring us the most joy and happiness. And then we were able to identify, oh my gosh, it's travel. Every time we go to this play space, we're traveling in our minds and we're going somewhere and experiencing these things. And that just helped us really define, okay, next step is we want to be traveling. What does that look like? That was a process of just staying open to considering lots of different options. And as that progressed and cycled through, it really came to be almost like a duh moment of, you know, I'm going to run my businesses we're going to travel, and that is the digital nomad life. We were ready to let go of our lease. We were ready to go through and sell and donate most of what we owned, consolidating that into our vehicle, whatever was left, and set out on the road. No home, no stuff, right? Completely unattached, the epitome of freedom. And so that's exactly what we did. So that's where kind of the the money side, the funding for all this still comes from. The big question I had was, how are you affording to do this? Like making six figures is nice, but it doesn't allow you to live the rest of your life on the road. Um, So you're still working. It's just you're taking advantage of the technology and all the advances we've had. And you're able to work from home, wherever that home may be at that time. 
Exactly. So the the definition of digital nomad, let's break it down. Digital, right? So that's the technology piece. So that's me running my businesses with a laptop, a cell phone, an iPad. Uh, nomad is traveling nomadically, not staying in a single location, right? So from a financial standpoint, it's really a pie. And this is how I explain it to people is I have multiple businesses. So each one of those brings in a particular piece of the pie. My main source of income is my bookkeeping business. That's my quote, digital nomad job, right? And so um, that's bringing in the majority of income. I convinced my husband to go into retirement early. So we have his retirement income. And then we also just made some strategic uh, decisions as far as what we would do with savings, uh, pulling out of savings in order to go ahead and pay for a year's worth of Airbnbs up front, because most people immediately say, oh, you're in an RV. Uh, but that's actually uh, not the case for us. In fact, there are so many ways from an accommodation standpoint that someone can be a digital nomad. It's not always in an RV or a van. And so for us, we really like the Airbnb life. And so, you know, we made some strategic decisions about savings, 401k, things like that, that would uh, pre-fund us to get our adventure started, which not all of those decisions or all of these pieces are right for everyone, but the way that our piece of the pie works in order to fund our travels is what works for us. Yeah, I just read a story, I think, on like Unilad or something like that about I believe they're an Australian couple that mm -hmm. seems to be doing something different. But as you said, in a different way, they're spending all of their time on a cruise ship. And so yes. they're they're spending like 40 or 50 dollars a day on this cruise ship, which is coming out to be less than the mortgage or rent that they would be paying, which is. It's mind blowing because we're not taught this from a young right. age. We're taught exactly what you had. You go to exactly. school, you get out of school, you go to college, you get a good job. You start making over six figures. You buy a house, a car, you get married, you have kids. And then that's the American dream. And everything is, you know, kosher and happy and everybody loves their life. But we're not taught that you can do these things where it's like, hey, you know what? If if rent is or the mortgage is twenty four hundred dollars a month for the house that you have, but you can go cruise and spend, you know, anywhere from fifteen to twenty five hundred a, a month, that same exact thing. But you're on a cruise ship where people are cleaning up after you and doing all of this stuff. It's just an amazing thought that I can't wrap my head around because it's not the way that I was taught. And it's not the way that I would say the majority of us are taught. And you're right. When I thought about what y'all were doing, I immediately thought, well, this has to be, you know, a big RV and you're traveling around in this RV place to place and, and checking all these things out. But it's so interesting that you use Airbnbs specifically. Mm -hmm. That was one of the questions I had was where do you get the best pricing and how do you get the best pricing on all this stuff? Because I can see where it is a fine balance between a finite amount of money that you currently have, a mm -hmm. finite amount of income that you have coming in, and then you've kind of got to plan all of these things just like you would your normal monthly bills, except now it's your stay, it is your travel, and then activities while you're there. So just walk us through how you make that work and get the best pricing on all this stuff. Yeah. Um, so, you know, one of the, the things that we're, we're focused on right now is actually moving to Greece. 
So we are interviewing at the end of February 2023 in order to get our long-term visa in order to go to Greece. The long-term visa will allow us to be there for, for one year. Again, I mention this because to your point of what we're not taught, what we don't think of, is one of the amazing things about being a digital nomad internationally is in some cases, like with Greece, like with Portugal, it's so much less expensive. So for example, a Airbnb in Greece, you know, that's a beautiful home with a private pool, an ocean view uh, for a month, could usually run about $2,500. That which you mentioned, which is a normal rent payment in the United States. Most of us don't have private pools and a villa and an ocean view. So, you know, why, why not, right? Why not go international where the cost of living is also significantly less, like going to the grocery store, et cetera. You know, you're going to just... Uh, organically spend less there. So, you know, this, this is what we're looking at. This is what we're excited for our next adventure and journey as part of this digital nomad life is taking this and going internationally because, you know, we can get such great pricing. But I also do want to say that there, again, are so many ways that you can be a digital nomad. Some digital nomads live out of their car. There are specific tents that you can get that are uh, connect to your vehicle to extend your, quote, living space, right? You can stay on BLM land. Some BLM land, Bureau of Land Management, is either free or very low cost, right? So your overall running expenses can be very minimal. You can have an RV or a camper van anywhere from a few thousand dollars to hundreds of thousands of dollars. There's even programs out there as a digital nomad where you can move around in an apartment community. You think apartment, you think, oh my gosh, I have to sign a year lease or go month to month. Well, that they usually charge you four times as much to go month to month. But that's not what this is. This is actually a apartment program, luxury apartments that cater to the digital nomad life. They know that you're going to be moving every few months to a different location. And so you're not paying that, you know, month to month without a lease situation, right? They have a built-in program specifically for digital nomads that you can have those amenities that you love, the pool, the gym, the dog park, all of these things in beautiful locations around the nation. And it's much more cost-effective than if you tried to do it on your own. So there are so many cost-effective programs. The question really becomes, what is right for you? What do, what experience do you want to have in the digital nomad world? Do you want to travel internationally? Do you want to travel nationally? Do you want to do it in your car, an RV? What amenities are you looking for? What experience? What do you want to see and do? Do you want to wake up with a neighbor? Do you want to wake up on the side of a mountain? It's all available. And that's what's so exciting about the digital nomad life. I mean, 
I'm ready to sign up right now. Like this, <laughs> this sounds awesome. The problem is I have three kids, so I don't know how I would uh, be able to bring them along comfortably. But I, I would love Bruce, to say uh, something on that. Can I? Sure. Because please, I hear right. We I, I hear this so often, uh, especially from parents. Is I need to wait until my kids graduate, maybe in retirement. So what I love to remind people, especially with kids, is we have an amazing opportunity as digital nomads to show our kids the reality, right? To take them outside of the book, to show them where Gettysburg really was rather than reading it in a book. We have mm -hmm. the opportunity rather than expressing the um, history of Native Americans, Black history, right? We can take them into the world. We can show them the Pueblos, right? For example, in Native American history, we can go visit those Pueblos. They can stand inside of them. They can touch them. They can see that they're made of earth. They can see how they're potentially positioned on a plateau and how the Native Americans use that plateau to protect themselves from raids or, you know, incoming conquistadors, etc. So your children have the opportunity to not just learn things in a regurgitative situation where I'm going to be tested, I need to remember this fact, and I'm going to put it on the sheet of paper. And then after that, it's really meaningless. But even for me as an adult, going to Santa Fe, New Mexico, or New Mexico in general, because we experienced so many of the Pueblos there, it was transformative. It was a truly transformative experience to see the shards of the clay pots, to pick them up, to touch them from the ground because they were so plentiful, to see how the pottery was painted or stained with tree sap and other natural elements, right? To stand near the Kiva, which is their spiritual space, and you can just sense and feel everything that happened right there in that that moment for them. It was the highs and the lows. I mean, honestly, at some points, it was emotionally overwhelming where it literally brought me to tears, right? Especially when you get into how they were conquered by the Spanish and some of the atrocities that happened there. So it is an opportunity for children to actually see, feel, touch, be transformed by what happened, be truly impacted in the very fiber of who they are, rather than just this flat story on a book that they don't really get, they can't relate to it, but they're gonna remember this thing in order to pass the test. So, you know, I really cha challenge parents out there to really consider that as a excellent opportunity to raise amazing human beings by allowing them to experience the world, even at the youngest of ages. It's a great point. So I, I guess my follow-up question would be, how do we mm -hmm. get to that point where we kind of un unlearn? <laughs> What's mm -hmm. the word I'm looking for there? Of where we take that thought process out mm -hmm. of 
adults, you know, currently mm-hmm. that because it, it is, I mean, I'm programmed for that, right? I'm programmed yes. that taking my child on this trip um, that is going to last longer than a one week vacation, that this trip is right. going to be a lifelong, you know, vacation, obviously mixed with work mm-hmm. and trying to figure out how to live. But I'm programmed to think that it's not safe. It's not right. It's Mm -hmm. not justified for my child or, you know, I have three children. So I'm Mm -hmm. constantly thinking about how, you know, at this point in time, because my programming goes down to them, their thought process behind this, if I brought it up would be, well, I don't want to leave my friends. I don't want to leave my school, my teachers. I want to stay in this comfortable realm that I'm in right now. So what do you think people in your space are currently doing to try to tackle that issue to convince more people to kind of live like this and come into this space? Um, honestly, by, I believe that by living it and, and showing the transformation is the best thing that I can do. Cause I can't convince anybody of anything, right? Like, I mean, no, no matter what I say, I, I can't quote convince someone, but all I can do is continue to live my life and to share this message and this story with people like you and and encourage people to understand that it is those programmed limiting beliefs, uh, beliefs that we have that keep us small, feeling powerless in our life. And part of Tales from an Untamed Soul and the reason that I didn't just go out as a digital nomad at, with my bookkeeping job, but why I created Tales from an Untamed Soul is to help people identify those limiting beliefs that are keeping us small and powerful, like I'm not safe in the world. That was one, believe it or not, I was terrified to hike by myself. I was terrified to go out in the city of Dallas thinking that I would be accosted, right? I would be held up at gunpoint. I would be assaulted because that was my programming from my mom was everything out in the world in the world is out to get you. Everything is completely unsafe. You're safe if you stay in the confinement of your four walls. That was my programming. It took me a lot of self-work in order to identify where did that belief come from, to have the courage to hold it up and say, I acknowledge that I did not choose this belief. Is, Is this going to get me where I want to go in my life? I acknowledge, no, it's not. And so I need to reconstruct that belief that There is safety in the world, right? I am safe out in the world. Look at me now. I'm going to Greece. I'm going to an international country where, you know, in the more rural areas, they don't speak English. So I don't even speak the language in the areas that we're going to. And so being able to transform that limiting belief into something that empowers me, into something that propels me forward in my life and is going to create this life that I absolutely love, that's going to challenge me, that's going to bring me joy, that's going to allow me to fully live. That's the thing. A lot of us are just dead people walking around right? We're not fully living. We're not present. We don't feel joy. We don't feel excitement about waking up every day. 
So, you know, we need to take the opportunity to evaluate those beliefs and transform them so that we can be our most powerful self. Does that make sense to your question? A hundred percent. I mean, it's just, I'm trying to figure out a way because, you know, of course, you're focused on on your story. And then, of course, you're focused mm-hmm. on getting other people involved so that they can enjoy it and go out there and learn to do these things like you do. But I'm just trying yes. to think big picture here yeah. of how we get people to, you know, we, we can lead them. We can lead that horse to, to water, but we can't make yeah. a drink. And it's like, how do we get them to understand that? Because in my mind, I mean, don't get me wrong. I have plenty of objections that I can give you. You know, my job, I can't do that uh, from wherever. I have to be on a fire truck in my city in order to wow. perform my job. But it's like, how do you get to where I'm doing a job that I can do from the road or I'm traveling in a way and making money in other ways that allows me that freedom? And you're right. We are tied down. We're tied down to that job. We're tied down to the notion that we have to have a nice home and vehicles for our kids so they can do after school activities like football and dance and gymnastics and these things that are good for children to do versus your way of thinking, which I fully agree with, is that experiencing the things they're learning about is far more of a, a an educational moment than it is to read about it in a book. You know, if you can go there and be there and experience it, when I go to San Antonio and I'm standing inside of the Alamo, I learn more about history from what I'm feeling standing in that moment than I ever did from reading it in a book. I can't imagine what the Alamo looked like, how small it was, how many people died there, all of these things without actually being there and experiencing it. So I'm on board with you, but I'm like, how do we get everyone to be on board with that? You know, is it uh, something that you can kind of dip your toes in? Because I'm thinking to myself, like I would be more comfortable with it and my wife would probably be more comfortable with it if we could take a couple of summer months where we save up our vacation time, we take off all of that time, the kids are out of school and we get that, you know, we're going to travel for two months. For 60 yeah. days, we're going to go from place to place and spend a week or two weeks in all of these places and just vacation back to back and still be able to work from the road but we'll have enough vacation time to pay us along with the additional work we can do that it's like it gets our our toes in the sand, our toes in the water. We can kind of gauge it, feel it, and see what it's like because it's such an interesting concept. I would love to be able to do this. I wish I had $2 million sitting in a bank and I was ready to retire and I could just comfortably live and never have to worry about finances and feel in my mind I would feel comfortable enough to do it versus um, I mean, honestly, to me, it's it's brave that y'all are able to go out there and do this, knowing that you've got to kind of hustle and make things work. Because, again, I know what retirement can look like and I know how limiting it can be financially. So it's amazing that y'all found the key to success. Is that part of what y'all are doing is kind of teaching other people how to find those same keys? Absolutely. I mean, our our ebook, How to Become a, a Digital Nomad, breaks it down in every step. And what I love about the digital nomad life is that there's no one size fits all. To your point, I have a client who digital nomads once a year. I have a client who digital nomads once a month. I have someone who digital nomads every six months, six months on, six months off. Some people keep a home. Some people don't. Some people travel domestically. Some people travel internationally. Some people travel domestically and internationally. 
right? So it there there is no, this is what a digital nomad looks like. And that's what I love about this life because unlike the life you and I were just talking about, where we are programmed that it looks this way, right? It's in the square box and everything fits in there. The digital nomad life is what do you want to create? What is the experience that you want to have? And I will tell you, I have a bookkeeping client who is a multimillionaire, right? So the day that he looked at me and said, I'm jealous of you. I went, Hmm. I'm sorry, what? (laughs) I'm not a millionaire. You really do have the comma, right? In your life, you have the comma and you think that you can't have this life. So here's what I would say to your comment that you said, oh, I wish that I were a millionaire. Well, he is, and he still thinks that he can't do it because it all comes back to those limiting beliefs. And that's where when people are ready, to your point also of find something else, right? Look at jobs that allow you to be partially or fully remote. Even if you are partially remote, you could travel for your partially, you know, remote time frame. And when you have to be back in the office, then you come back to the home base and you're, you know, going into the office. If you can find a job that is fully remote, that's great. Or what I also help people with is let's just create your own business, just like you were talking about a minute ago. There are so many jobs that you can create for yourself, i.e. bookkeeping, right? I'm a, a virtual bookkeeper. I have clients I have never even met in person because I've been on the road. And so there's so many jobs out there that you can create for yourself. But again, we have this box belief that we've been programmed that our job has to look like a specific thing, right? And we have to be in a specific location. We have to have a house, right? Because that taps into the beliefs that we're taught about. You have to have roots. You have to be close to family, even to what you were saying about the kids' activities. When you think about the um, impact, and I'm certainly not downplaying any activity that any child is in currently, but just looking at an alternate experience to say that one is better than the other. You know, if your kids are out hiking uh, in Glacier, one of the, you know, tallest mountains, beautiful vistas, they, they're on a 10 mile hike and they're seven years old and they're loving it. And you see a moose, you know, and you get to see all of these different animals. You're, you're on a guided hike perhaps with someone who can educate you about the flora, the fauna, the animals. You know, when I think of like track versus joining a hike in Glacier or Yellowstone or in Italy or in Greece or wherever, I can't say that that is not an exceptional option as it quote activity for my kid to be out doing, right? 
And the other aspect, too, I think that I recognize and know myself that maybe an objection is when I say, you know, I wish I was a millionaire. It's just to get started the way that I personally would want to get started, because I'm definitely that big RV type where I would just want to travel all across in this RV, park it in places and, and have fun. But when it comes to making money on the road, it's a lot different when you start substituting your bills. You know, people think, well, how could I afford to to travel like this if I don't have a job where I am making six figures? You know, um, I know that my wife and I currently, the budget that we run for us to be comfortable, we need $150,000 a month or a a year. A month would be nice, but we need (laughs) $150,000 a year to be comfortable combined income with our current lifestyle. But when you start talking about that digital nomad lifestyle, subjectively, you're upgrading your experience in life. You're upgrading the places you're staying, but your financial burden goes down because now you're just talking about having the vehicle you need and money for the maintenance that you need on that vehicle, the fuel you need in order to travel, um, and then the money you need to do the things you want to do. But monthly, whenever you cut out that $2,500 a month mortgage or rent, all of a sudden you realize, oh, wow, I don't have two cars. I only have one. So like for us, I cut out a $450 Jeep note every single month. And her expedition has already paid off. So if we just use her expedition for that and we get, you know, a tent like you're talking about to make the back end of that extra long vehicle even longer and more comfortable and then just start traveling that way. It's like, well, now you've cut out a $2,400 mortgage, $450 car note, insurance on both of those vehicles that was more expensive. And you just cut it down to my home is this vehicle with this insurance and this maintenance plan. And it comes out to a whole lot less than $2,400 a month. So it's like, well, yeah, where you needed 150 the other way, you may only need 50,000 a year this way. So it's like, you, you got to take those things into consideration and truly plan this out. I mean, you know, that freedom comes at a cost of planning. If you're not just able to willy nilly, just go out there and do what you want to do. You got to spend some time planning it out and figure out, okay, budgeting and finances looks different. And here's how much less we can make if we're both working versus how much we need in our current lifestyle. So I think that's just something else I wanted to throw out there for listeners to understand that um, I had an employee that worked for me on an ambulance that really brought that to my attention where he was like, yeah, my wife and I are sharing a car and we live in this um, small home that's you know nothing to like shout and brag about. And then he worked his face off and I'm like, you're making so much money here. How is it that y'all can't afford to upgrade your life a little bit? And he was like, you're thinking about upgrading the wrong thing. I work so much here to have the money so that we can go out to do what we want to do and spend time together and buy things, eat things and drink things that we want to not to worry about what my house looks like or my car looks like. And it, it is that old cliche thing to think about that everyone always talks about of money doesn't buy happiness. But the point is it goes a lot beyond that of you can really utilize a lot less in your life in order to bring your budget down and still increase your finances in order to live a totally different lifestyle. So I love this. I think it's such an interesting conversation. I did want to ask earlier, you know, you talk about Greece a lot. So is that the the most favorite place you've ever traveled or is there somewhere else that kind of sticks out as your favorite place to go? I've never been to Greece. We're moving there sight unseen. Neither one of us have ever been. (laughs) That's part of the adventure of being a digital nomad is just waking up and going, huh, 
I really would love to go to Greece and see what that's about. You know, Uh, my most favorite place to go, uh, my husband would say the same too, is Costa Rica. I think we've been seven times now Mm. and we've traveled all over Costa Rica. Um, It is just so beautiful. The people are amazing. The beaches are beautiful, but for me, it's the wildlife, right? You've got every type of monkey that, you know, you can see at one time, like literally that happened. We were in a national park and we literally saw every type of monkey in Costa Rica back to back to back to back. It was absolutely fantastic. I mean, you know, you have lunch and there's two cans in the tree next to you while you're having lunch. It was just absolutely surreal. I just can't get enough of it. We will eventually have a whole digital nomad thing for Costa Rica. We looked at moving there permanently. That was kind of at the beginning of trying to figure out, okay, we want to travel. We love Costa Rica. Is it moving there permanently? Is that what we want to do? We decided that that was not right for us. But I certainly, especially with Costa Rica doing a digital nomad visa, like many countries are coming out with now, right? Portugal, Greece. Um, I mean, there's just such a long list of them. And so, you know, with Costa Rica coming on board with that digital nomad visa, I can definitely see us going back. Man, I, it is definitely a place on my bucket list, somewhere I want to go. Uh, we travel by cruising currently, you mm-hmm. know, so we get a week to two weeks every year that we take for ourselves. One is a trip for just us two as adults. Nice. And then the other one is a trip for all of our kids. And, you know, of course, we plan some really fun things, but it usually winds up being something like an amusement park or uh, you know, taking them somewhere like that. We have taken them on a cruise before. And that's my favorite part about cruising is getting to see three countries, usually back to back, because on those week long, you have three ports of call and you get to go out there. And just like you said, it's it's a different for someone who's never done it. It's totally different when you're out there eating lunch on a beach and you're looking over at a tree and there's iguanas racing up and down the trees rather than squirrels. Yes. You know, and, and like you said, you see the different wildlife. You have monkeys that jump up on your neck for a picture and, uh, you know, they're just hanging out with you and you get to interact with them or just see the different wildlife. Because when you grow up your whole life in Texas, you get used to the wildlife we have here. But when yes. you go visit somewhere else, you realize that all that exotic wildlife you think about exists in daily life for other people. And that's just their norm. And they yep. may even think the wildlife we have here is crazy and something that, you know, because it's something they've never seen. So I, I love sharing those stories and those experiences and adventures. And that's why this is definitely something that is, I'm sure, well suited for me. And it is unfortunately something that I'm like in my retirement guaranteed going to make it happen. But now I'm sitting here talking to you thinking, how can I make this happen quicker? Because this does seem like exactly. a, like the way to go as far as living, especially for people who are in this mindset, like you and I of enjoying the travel for more than just, I don't want to just go to Florida because they have Disney world. Yes. I love Disney world. I want to travel there and check it out. Universal. I love universal, but I want to go there to see the things that you don't normally see, you know, here in our office, we were just talking about planning an impromptu weekend getaway. And we we're like, let's go to San Antonio. And I'm like, I, we can go see the caverns and we can go to the river walk. And I love the commercial side of it, but I want to go see the historical side of it as well. Mm-hmm. And the, the cool stuff that you don't get to see every day when you're you know locked here in Houston, Texas. So I love this. Tell us more about your website 
and what you have to offer there, both paid and unpaid. Like, is this a business for you? Is this what you're doing partially as well as finding, you know, making some money off of this website? Yeah. So I have three businesses all together. Um, And so, yes, Tales from an Untamed Soul is a business because we, you know, when I really got in touch with my heart's desire, yes, I wanted to travel. Yes. You know, I wanted this digital nomad life for myself and with my bookkeeping business. But it was also the realization of how many times people immediately said to me, I want what you have. I'm jealous. I want to do what you're doing. That communicated to me that I needed something bigger than just doing it, right? There was a need from people who were feeling also like they weren't fully living because just what you were talking about, oh, in my retirement age, maybe I need to do it sooner. And the reason I got so excited when you said that is because so many people do that. That's that limiting belief. What we forget so often is that tomorrow may never come. Yep. Right? So we wait 20, 30 years for something or even five or 10 years. And if it's really your heart's desire, if you're like, oh my gosh, I really need that in my life. Figure out how to get that in your life in some capacity right now, because otherwise that will be something when you die, you will look back. Will you have a regret about that? Will you go, wow, what could my life have really looked like if I had embraced that, taken that risk, run with it? What what experiences? How could I be a different person? How could I be transformed by those experiences? Will I have felt like I fully lived on my deathbed or will I not feel like I fully lived and have regret? And so we ran into that so much right off the bat. I was like, I have to do more. I have to share the story, but I also need to share the tools, right? So that's why I have the ebook, How to Become a Digital Nomad, that breaks it down. It breaks down all of the myths. Oh, I can't because I, I have work insurance. Oh, I can't because, you know, I have to have a home. Oh, I can't because, you know, I don't know how I would stay or where to go, or I don't even know where I would start to go. We take care of all that. We even give destination guides where you can start with a really great place to digital nomad that even tells you like where to go, what to do, where to stay, where to go to eat, that you're probably going to have a really great experience. And if you are plagued by those limiting beliefs, we have a course on the website to help you look at those limiting beliefs, how to transform those into something that's going to make you your most powerful self. And if you want to start a business to be able to get on the road or find the right remote job, we help you with that in the ebook as well. And last but not least, if you are just like, I have got to talk to this woman, we have consultation hours on the website as well. All you have to do is click and we can set up an appointment and speak one-on-one about your specific situation, your specific limiting beliefs and connect to see how we can help you get on the road in whatever that looks like that's right for you. That's amazing. Uh, And, you know, of course, it just, 
eventually, I would assume that this is going to be so financially sound as far as just that website alone that it would have more than funded y'all's travel uh, if it's not already. Um, but three businesses all on the road while you're doing all this. Did y'all ever have kids? Do you have children? Uh, so our son is 28 years old and we have a couple of adopted children uh, that we adopted as adults into our lives. Uh, so everybody has grown, which is fantastic. But I wish that I had adopted this lifestyle for the benefit of my son. You know, I think, oh my gosh, life would be so different for me, so different for him, you know, but I'm, I'm so grateful that at least this came to me when it did. And I was brave enough to say, yes, I want it. I made that decision. I claimed that life for my own and then started putting together those tactile steps to actually make that happen for myself. And, you know, one of our adopted daughters is like, you know what? I'm going to move to Ireland. I've always wanted to live there. Why am I waiting? And she's putting together the steps to try to move to, to Ireland. So, you know, when, when you show up for yourself in your own life, just like that pebble in a pond, it starts to have those ripple effects. And, you know, I'm just so excited that people can look at what we're doing and find that inspiration in their own life to create whatever is right for them. That's the insane part is going back to what you said with the retirement stuff. You know, if you think about retiring at 60, 65 years old, um, which I think is like the average age for traditional retirement, you know, and then we think about how long are you going to live after that retirement age? And even if you live to be 80, 85, 90 years old, how many good years of being able to travel and zip line and dive and golf and whatever it is that you enjoy, how many true good years of that are you going to have? 10, 15 years? So you spent, you know, the better half of, I would say, 40 to 45 years working in order to get to the point of retirement, which is your happiness. And then you spent 10 to 15 years, if you're lucky, and something didn't kill you before that, 10 to 15 years of what are supposed to be the best years of your life. And that's what you have to go out there and truly enjoy yourself on. And you're right. It's an eye-opening experience when you come to that realization of, man, I want to do what I want to do now because I know that once I get to that point, I'm not going to have as much time as I wanted to enjoy it. You know, so I, I love this show. I love this episode. I love this concept. And I think that what you're doing is amazing. It's definitely something I want to check out more of for myself. Um, but just tell us where we can go to keep up with you. Are y'all on social media? Oh, absolutely. Instagram, Facebook at Tales from an Untamed Soul, you know, website Tales from an Untamed Soul.com. Um, you know, but yeah, I mean, look us up, digital message me, you know, wh however it is that we can help. It just, you know, I, I honestly feel that this is part of my life purpose is to help people discover the freedom that this life offers you. And, you know, that's the thing that I really didn't even understand or realize when I set out on this journey, the freedom, the soul freedom that I would experience with this is just unparalleled. You know, you, you can't explain it to someone. Yeah. I mean, 
I already know knowing that I want to do this and knowing the enjoyment I get out of the current travel situation I have, I already know that living this lifestyle fully is something that you can't explain and something that I would still be totally mesmerized by once I hop into it full time. So I know we talked about two of the companies, the bookkeeping and then mm-hmm. the website. What's your third company? Uh, it's it's life skills. So I work with uh, have in person and now working online with young people who have been in traumatic situations who have often not learned specific life skills that are needed because they were in traumatic situations uh, to have the opportunity to be coached and guided on those life skills that are going to help them transition from that traumatic situation into society to be able to function, right? Young people who grew up in filthy homes, for example, don't necessarily know because they didn't see it how to clean, right? They have their own place, but they don't know how to clean. They may not know how to manage money. They may not understand even the process of getting a credit card and what that means and how interest rates work. And so, you know, this this life skills education is, you know, I think the term now is adulting, but you know, (laughs) if, if you have gone through your life and you were never shown, you were never taught, you didn't have that modeled for you, you can feel very lost, very isolated, very alone. And, um, you know, just experience a lot of negativity in your life as a result. And so, you know, my courses help educate and guide in order to fill in those gaps for young people. I know we could do three separate shows for an hour each or a, a three hour show on all these companies. And it's amazing that you have so much going on. Um, but are you looking for new clients with this? And how do you find those clients? And what does it um, like, how do they basically pay for those services or get those services? Because I would imagine coming out of a traumatic situation, mm-hmm. it would be hard to sometimes fund that. Or are you looking for those adults that say, hey, I've gone through it, but now I realize there's gaps. I have some money and I need to learn. You know, what does that kind of look like? Yeah, so I actually have a scholarship program for anybody who can't afford it. And then, of course, there's uh, paid options. A lot of the young people that I work with have jobs, right? They have jobs, they have places, uh, apartments. So, you know, they they do have income. But again, if there's a lack of income, I have a scholarship program on the website that they can apply for, Um, you know, but it's it's. you know, something that can be done in person or it can be done remotely through course options. So, uh, you know, free blogs and things like that. So there's free resources as well, which makes it helpful and easy. That's awesome. Well, I think we're going to have to hear from you more because you have so much going on and so much to talk about. It's been a great episode. Absolutely love the information that we've gotten uh, and the way that you present it. I think it's amazing. We need to start up a podcast for y'all and have your very own podcast where you're just going to these different places and talking about all these things you're doing because you definitely you're amazing on a show. So absolutely amazing guest. Thank you very much for being here. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm really grateful. 
Absolutely. And listeners, as always, you know, in the show notes, we're going to put all of those links and everything that you need to find out more about our guest right here, wherever you're listening to this podcast. So all you got to do is scroll down, take a look, click those links, make sure that you're following our guest and following all the businesses and all the things she has going on, because that's the whole reason that we bring them here. And honestly, I know that you listeners are so loyal and we appreciate you coming back every single week going to the restaurants we have on, checking out these businesses, following their content, and making sure that you're doing anything and everything you can to show up on their radar. You do it every single week, and I can't thank you enough for it. But as always, that was another episode for us in another week. And stay beefy, my friends. Thanks for listening to another episode of Small Business Origins. I love an origin story. If you like what you just heard, leave us a review. Subscribe and share with a friend. You guys, check this out. They're going to love it. You're going to love it. 